What up, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Just Hold On Podcast. Um, it's your boy, that boy Chardonnay in the building, of course, along with my boy, Oren. Oren, say what up to the people. What's going on? To the global listenership, everyone tuned in for yet another episode. What we got going on today, man? Hey, uh, I just wanted to say thanks real quick to everyone that's been rocking with us so far, man. I'm really excited that we got this off the ground. All right, yo, we got our boy Michael Zoe in the building today. Dusty, you know, that's that's how I know you. That's how much the world knows you. But uh, I uh, just wanted to say thanks for rocking with us and joining us on this episode. Absolutely, absolutely. Glad to be here. There's no snare on my headphones, but we'll get through it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Turn, we're going to have to turn that snare up. Let me contact the, uh, the deep engineering team we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put hey, them in the put booth. A little, put a little tune on there, too. Yeah. Hey, hey uh, Dusty, before we kind of jump into things, I kind of just wanted to uh, give you a second to kind of like intro yourself for the people that may not know you. It doesn't have to be too in-depth, but uh, kind of just give us a quick rundown of yourself. Yeah. Uh, born and raised in Northside Corvallis. A lot of people don't make it out of there. Currently living in Southeast Portland. A lot of people like to call it Gresham, but my address still says Portland. Uh, I did the music thing for a while, fizzled out, and now I'm in cannabis and uh, I, I mean, I love it. I'm I'm in a very happy place in my life right now. Oh man, that's good to hear. I like to hear that. We're gonna keep the positivity train going on this uh, on this podcast. People yeah, get yeah. Before we get into it, Dusty, we we like to keep this low angst, low politics, a lot, a lot of positivity, and just you know having fun. So okay, let's do it. Right, yeah, so, man. Yeah, um, how did how did y'all two? You know, I'm just gonna interject. How did y'all two meet? You know, okay. I've, I've met each of y'all separately, but uh, yeah, give me give me the breakdown, the origin story. You want me to do it? <laughs> Yeah, run it up, bro. Okay, so uh, I was actually seeing this girl, and it was like one of those um, we're we're not seeing each other in public type situations. And she kept being like, "Will you please go to this party with me?" And I was I just gotten out of a relationship. She was straight rebound, and I was like, (laughs) "Okay, can we do like half an hour and then take off?" And obviously, we walk in there, and the first thing I see is Colin, Uh, and I was like, "Oh God, here we are." (laughs) And then I, Colin's like laughing, looking at this dude, and he looks over, and it's Dat Boy Chadney going bar for bar with DMX. I don't remember what song it was, but I was like, I kind of want to know this guy. Uh, and, and like he was just like he was killing it. Um, and we talked for a little bit, but I was like very much like yanking on her arm, like, "Yo, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here." I ended up getting drunk at her place. And I'm leaving her place early in the morning, walking down the street. And I think Chad was on his way to a Beaver football game. And I see him across the street and he's like, yo, Dusty, what's up? And I didn't remember his name at all. I, you know, I barely remembered him, barely had like an interaction with him. And I was like, that guy remembers me. That guy's cool as hell. I had no, I, I didn't remember his name. I was like, oh, what's up, dude? It was like one of those. But from, I, don't, I don't think I saw him again for a couple of years. But from that moment on, I was like, I want to know this guy. Hey, that makes me feel hella good because from my side of the story, honestly, I don't really remember that. But I remember the first time you told remember the first time you told that story. I was like, that sounds like something I would do for sure. Uh, Yeah. And the the rest is kind of history, man. I'm I'm curious to know how y'all met uh, with like the whole, you know, you both being in music back in the day. Um, Obviously, I knew Dustin before I knew Oren. Oren kind of came into the picture. But uh, when do y'all want to give that background? Did we meet, man, did we meet on the Internet or do we meet just just in Portland? Yeah, it was on the internet. And then I think, I think it was, th- I think you knew Dooley, but then I think the official meeting was through Colin. Got it. Yeah. So like I had, uh, 
So some background for the listenership. I was in music too. And then Dooley, who grew up with you guys, had was in living in Arizona where I made music, was making beats. We bought some beats from him. And then when I, we went to tour in Portland, I believe is when I got linked with Landforce because you guys had a couch. Yeah. And uh, I think, mm-hmm. Chad, you weren't living there, but you were there like all the time. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was what we called Letterman HQ at the time. You know, it was Dustin, uh, Mike. Mikey actually lived there. A few, few people. Bow. Uh, who else was there? Milo at the time. Uh, Pelty, RIP. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, so um, Dustin, you, you lived in that house? Too? I lived in that yeah. house. I also remember when Chad invited a friend over who peed on said couch. Wow. Literally just. I don't want, I don't want to bring up that story. Okay. <laughs> I want to. We'll get to it at some point. Yeah. If I get a few more white clothes. Being uh, being down there like on tour and being like staying in this house was just incredibly lit. Like everyone would come to the show. After the show, everyone was just going like bar to bar, waka flocka for like hours. I was like, these people are amazing. Yeah, (laughs) that's about right. (laughs) And and from my perspective, Orrin was someone who was doing it much bigger than me. He had tattoos and good hair, which are two things that I wanted. Um, And and, and he kind of, I mean, he kind of put his arm around me and taught me a lot of like very basic things. Uh, Cause when I met him, I don't think I was really singing yet either. And he was like, bro, if you want to sing, just like start singing. Um, and, and so he did a lot to like help my confidence very early on. Man, you know, it's something, it's funny and uh, not to like jump too far ahead in this, but I always felt like something that we shared in common around that was, you know, we both could write super well. I always listen to your stuff and be like, man, this kid can really write. He understands the melodies. And, uh, and like, I knew that's something I was working on, but then we never translated that to like working with other people or doing that for other people. We're just trying to be the artists. And so many people try and they take it the other way. They'll write for other people, but they don't want to be an artist or like, yeah. You know, did you ever want to do that? And like write for other folks was always kind of just about, you know, you Absolutely. making music, your music. Absolutely. But I kind of got time wrong. I was just fizzled out and that should have been my only approach just because my personality doesn't really work for being an artist. Like I'm not huge into attention like i'm not really into meeting new people and i think if i was uh if i was thinking about it and could go back i would have been like yo i'm just gonna be a writer i remember when you got that though i remember when you got to that point dusty too like because i know that when we when we kind of connected that we can kind of dive into that as well but when we connected it was always like i had that crazy wild personality that would kind of bring the best out of you when we would do shows or when we would be at functions and things like that so I always wanted to bring that juice to the, the vibe, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm super outgoing around my friends, but I'm one of those people, if, if, like, if you're new, well, I don't like you. Yeah. At least you're on. It honest. takes so much which, yourself which, to like, be an artist, too. Like, if you have to be, like, you have to have so much energy to turn on at all times. And so if you're not, like, 100% extrovert, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. It just it wasn't in the cards for me, ultimately, especially given my personality. It's all good, man. You you gave it a great run. And one thing I want to say is that I've always been a massive supporter. And I know you had a lot of massive support out there. So if, you know, one day you ever did decide to bring it back, I'm sure there'll still be some uh, cult following there. For sure. I mean, I got bars. Like, at the end of the day, I got bars. Uh, yeah. You I mean, I, I, I am going to be making music again. Um, oh! Yeah. Is this an exclusive? I've slid a couple DMs to let a few people know, but um, I mean, shout out to COVID. Uh, you can only play so much 2K and masturbate so many times before you get bored. Um, That's a big fact. Big fact. Ultimately, uh, Shuts hit me. Who Shuts is like one one half of Michael Zoe. A lot of people never knew that, but Shuts taught me a lot. Ta- Shuts Shuts taught me how to write. Um. 
And Chuds hit me just on some like, bro, how are you? Everybody good. I hit him on the same. He's out in Florida where it's wilder and he has um, pneumonia or asthma. He has asthma. And I, so we were just like, bro, stay inside, wear a mask, like all that stuff. And then he hit me like a week later and was like, you like getting that itch? And I was like, bro, I told him, I was like, bro, I've had the itch several times and just never reacted on it. Fuck it. I'm going to order a studio. Um, so I've ordered, I'm actually like looking at my mic and headphones. I'm just waiting on a mic stand at this point. Pro Tools is set up. Um, and I got into music for fun and as a release. And now that I'm like somewhat successful and like my life is in a good place, it can be that again. Um, and I think taking the time off too, it kind of gave you uh, almost like a new perspective and a new kind of approach to the, to the writing process. I think, can you kind of say the, attest to that? Yeah. I mean, and, and like, I've just grown a lot as a person um, for some background info. I like thought I was having a kid at one point ended up, it wasn't my child, but still um, I'm her godfather. Uh, and that provided a ton of perspective. And like, I, I've just gone through a lot of life things that have helped me grow up and become a better person. And, and the reality is I ended or I quit doing music because I was in a toxic relationship with myself. And I think anyone who does something creative can relate to this. You put that crap above everything. And it got mm -hmm. to the point that I like wasn't even taking care of myself. And, and so I like I needed it. I needed to get my life together in every way. Um, and I think if I if I dip my toes back in the water now, it, it you know only good things could come from it. Uh, yeah, I I'll, think. Yeah, good. Go, go ahead, Orin. I think you can attest that too. That's what I was going to transition into. Is I know that Orin, you've kind of obviously made a drastic change in your life from like the rock star Orin I kind of met back in the day uh, to being this father and you know having a beautiful wife and living the Laguna Beach dad life as we talked about in the first episode. So kind of give me a rundown on your life about that. No, I was going to say, and what he, uh, you know, what, what uh, Dusty said you know, rang super true because it was like almost the exact same thing why I stopped. And what I thought was interesting to think about too is it's like when you're trying to just be an artist and all you have the time for is to be an artist and like you're making it work no matter what, whether you have a little money or not, you, know, you kind of get this pain that comes from your craft that like in your lifestyle that helps you make good art, you know? But then on the other hand, you know, just having like your life together and having, you know, some level of stability, I feel like there's, there's some creative freedom in that too. And that's uh, something I think is, you know, is interesting. I'm interested to see what comes out of your, uh, your art kind of in, in that more comfortable space probably. Yeah. And in the piggyback off of that, it was like, it was almost like I liked the toxicity. You know what I mean? I like needed the heartbreak and I, it, I like justified it by like, well, this is going to help me write good songs. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's just not the way to live. Um, especially <laughs> once you take a step back from that, you're like, oh man, like that was not good for me. My weight fluctuated, all kinds of like gross things. I think that's just uh, human nature in general, whether you know, you're, you're a music artist or you're just a person. Cause like, I don't know if you guys can see it from my side too, but I feel like I've grown a ton from being that punk ass kid that really didn't give a shit about nothing. You know, when I was in my twenties to now really figuring out the career path and trying to do good things like this, put out positivity into the world and kind of find that light that kind of guides me into a better place. So I feel like you've channeled that super well. Cause that energy is like, you can go, if you have that much energy and you're putting out in the world at all times, it can be funneled in any number of different ways. And you've done a great job of like making that work, not just for you and like in your life and your career, but like also for the people around you. It's a pretty cool change to see. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that you're doing this because I've been waiting for you to figure out a way to just like really let your personality shine uh, because it, it is one of a kind. Like I like thinking that I surround myself with people who are one of one and you're certainly one of them. 
Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. We're going to start getting real sentimental. Uh, maybe yeah, but, flip the script real quick before I catch a tear. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, all right. Well, then, uh, yeah, so connected to that, yeah, I know you guys spend some time on stage together, but Chad, I also know you spent a bunch of time, like you've been on stage with Waka, GZ. I used to read a point. I'll be checking Instagram. And be like, all right, who is this guy? Like not on stage <laughs> with. And I, uh, yeah, I just, I'd love to hear some of the stories around that, whether it's, you know, of, of you two guys together, or just some of the, your, your own solo adventures and kind of how all that came about. Yeah, I think before I before I talk of that, I want to kind of ask Dusty how he felt about that. Really, me being a part of his, you know, persona because I really rode that wave. I'm not gonna lie, I was so like when we became friends, I was so kind of just like infatuated with the fact that you were a person that had the potential to really do some dope shit. And I didn't really find anything for myself to do like that. So I kind of wanted to ride this wave, low key. I'm not gonna lie, and I thought your shit was super popping. So on the real, how did you feel about you know your boy kind of? being in that lane with you you want the good or the bad first hit me with bowl bro we want we want pure honesty <laughs> uh the good was you are everything that i'm not uh and like i think a lot of times people see like your super playful personality and they don't realize like how diligent you are about getting stuff done and as mm-hmm. far as like you know you're like dj slash hype man slash tour manager you were you were on it when it came to everything and also on it when it was time to like be the party boy. Um, but as far as like the good on stage, you, like I said, you were good at everything that I wasn't, you interacted with the crowd, you dance, like you're, you're a better live performer. You performed my songs better than I did. Uh, <laughs> the only bad was I would tell you, I remember all the time I'd be like, bro, stop singing. Uh, I know I couldn't help it. Dog. And I'd be like, let me do the singing. And every time I'd look over at you and you'd just be like, eyes closed, like hitting it. Not really hitting it, but I feel like, bro, you gotta let me do the singing. Uh, but hey, when that boy's on, that boy's on. Yeah, I apologize still for that. No. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, but as far as like the being on stage thing, Orin, um, I don't know. As much of an extrovert personality as I am, and as much as I could be wild and crazy, uh, I don't know. It just always felt good to me. I never felt like I had the uh, the lane to be an artist of my own. I always felt like I just, you know, like I said, brought up the best in people. So always wanting to be kind of like in that light with other people. And the Waka Flocka thing kind of just, I don't want to dive into the story too much, but I basically was super, yeah, I was basically super drunk at the Roseland in Portland. And I've always been a big Waka Flocka fan, as you guys know, Um, not just that he makes good music because he doesn't really make good music. He makes just party music, you know? So for me, that was always something where it doesn't need to make a lot of sense. It just needs to needs to make you turn up, you know, like bow, bow, like ad lib crazy, you know. <laughs> um, so I was at the the concert in Portland, and I had the big Juicy J shirt that said "Turn Up" in bold letters. And the Roseland had this big wraparound bar, twenty one plus area above it that you know people could watch, and it was kind of a cool little view. Um, long story short, he just, you know, recognized me cause I'm just dumbing out like, let's go. Like, you know, it's my shit. Like I'm lit blacked out, you know, don't know what I'm doing. And he kind of just gives me like the, Hey, I see you in that turn up shirt. Come on down here. And like that to me is like bet, you know? So I literally like scaled this little like walkway on like the, like the handle joint, jumped to the speaker set that is like, you know, probably 10 feet up and then jumped onto the stage. And then as I jump on the stage, security's like, yo, this dude's about to get like knocked the fuck out. They come to grab me and walk like steps in front of him. And he's like, hold up, son. Like I made him come down here, put his brick squad chain on me, hands me a mic and Grove street party, which is like, you know, walk like biggest hit drops. And I'm like, is this real life dog? Like I'm tripping. 
and I just start barring out, you know, doing the, uh, I think Dusty called it the yeah, bad boy bop. Yeah, you hit, hit that. Bop, yeah. bop, bop <laughs> across the stage. And there's videos of it on YouTube, but uh, it's crazy. And the thing that was even crazier about it is I, uh, like two years later, I think it was, he was on Steve, or he was on tour with Steve Baoki. Um, and I went back, same venue, same outfit. I made the same like outfit, stay, stand, stood in the same spot. And he recognized me again, was like, yo, I remember you had me come down again like this time like walked me down gave me like one of those big you know cannon like guns they shoot into the crowds for edm shows it's just like f- like fog or whatever and there's videos of me just blah, blasting the fans bro i don't even know how this shit happens but it does it's crazy you're built for it yeah just right place right time almost maybe i guess we'll see <laughs> i think you know like for a big dude you're surprisingly limber you know both the dance moves and the like you could scale the side of a venue just, you know hop to a speaker stack like knock yeah. down to the floor, like and make it look make it look easy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're, especially when you're kind of lit, lit. You know, you don't really have any fear. It's like kind of like you know when people get in accidents when they're drunk, they're more like they can take the hit. Um, I guess that's kind of, you know, I don't really, I don't have any fear, so it's crazy. Your high school football coach missed out on a good left tackle, <laughs> bro. I played freshman sophomore, but then I just started party boying and snowboarding too much. So I was like, sports aren't gonna do it for me. I'm gonna snowboard and just kick it with chicks and shit. I- I guess he didn't. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of sports, Dustin, are you still getting shots up during the oh, uh, during bro. quarantine? Bro, uh, I hadn't been. So I hooped for the first time in like six weeks. And I, I like just shot around for like 30 minutes. I'm sore. Uh, it was, I mean, everything felt good. Usually my handle goes first, um, but the shot felt good. Uh, I think I'm going to start. I, I wondered if someone was going to tell me to get the hell out of the park and no one did. Uh, so I think I'm going to start going like early morning, just trying to get shots up. Oh, yeah. Got to keep ball, the touch. Yeah. Ball is life. I mean, I, I, I hoop four times a week. I, I hoop. Yeah. My question now is, Dusty, I saw you put up on the gram today, your story of you draining one to that Tory Lanez track. Yeah. How many shots did you put up before that, before that one went in is my question. Um, probably like five. Uh, the, okay. the shot was a little bit rusty, but that's a new move I'm working on. Um, mm-hmm. I call it like the hardened sidestep and it's like what players are doing now to help create space. And it's not, I haven't been able to practice, you know, like I said, I haven't played in six weeks and when I play, I just play games. So I'm doing a lot of things I know how to do. So it was time to like get to learn how to develop a new move. And before that I had been working on a Euro. Um, I've got that down pretty well, but now I'm like trying to bust out that sidestep. And kids, kids who are trying to ball nowadays have it super easy. I, I keep thinking about, you know, I remember in, in high school when we're, I'm like in the basketball camp and watching the Pistol Pete videos. But now like you can go to YouTube to break down the step back, break down it all. Oh. You can just be out there getting, getting ready. Uh, I, so I play in some leagues and like the freshman and sophomore high school kids would have just busted us at that age. <laughs> they are nice. They are nice. And they, I mean, they, they all got shooting coaches now. Like, I mean, basketball's come a long way. It has, man. It's been crazy to watch. You know, I follow all those like just random hoop Instagrams and, you know, seeing the brawny edits and, you know, D Wade's kid. I'm just like, yo, they are just a different breed at this age now, bro. Like it's even just the average kids, like the kids would be running at like 24. I'm like, man, you're like 14. Like this is, yeah, I was not like that at 14. (laughs) 
I played so funny story. I played these like they're like freshman, sophomore, high school kids. They play in the league, and and before the game, I'm like, man, we about to thirty piece these kids, because uh, like me and my friends play all the time. So jump ball happens. I'm playing lazy D. This kid hits me with the move I'm working on, and I damn near almost fell over. Plus it <laughs> net three, damn. and I was and I was like, give me the ball. Like it was one of those like I got to get this kid back. We ended up thirty piecing them, but after the game, I was like, bro. You damn near like I damn near tore my ACL on that. Play. Like, bro, you hit me. Uh, yeah, a little savage. <laughs> Yo, Dusty, when did uh this goes back to like the music basketball thing? I know you were always wanting to play ball. Like, when did you decide that uh ball wasn't gonna be your uh your professional uh thing? Because I know you probably wanted that to be. Uh, I got kicked off the team my junior year, but I it was when I just uh well, I mean. I was five foot one as a freshman. So I should have like figured it out then, but it took till about junior year. And then I still kind of was like, man, maybe I can get noticed and play like small college ball. But it's like, I mean, it wasn't in the cards for your boy. My dad's six two and he's the runt in his family. So there were times where I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to get it from my uncles. I'm going to get it from my uncles. And it, just, it didn't happen. And what's funny is it was like right after I realized basketball wasn't going to work is when I was like, I don't like, like I I'd always like understood bars and I started to get into that. And I was like, I think I could maybe do. That. What do you mean by understand bars? So I think I saw a lot of like the real shit don't, you know, uh, may not have a concept of it. it's definitely okay. something like understanding like Cameron's flow and like other, yeah, break that down for people. Yeah. So I realized early, I really liked punchlines. Like early on Lloyd Banks was my guy. You know what Ooh, I mean? And, and like, yeah. And he's like, I, I get like, as far as today's standards, he's very simple. But I remember being like, man, this guy's like really witty with the things that he says. And that that's when I started getting into lyrics. And then it's like, okay, you know, someone like you could take Eminem. Eminem's rhyming three or four syllables per bar. And I started to get into like the intricacies of what people were writing. And then I got into like Nas. Nas was like really my guy for a while, who I mean, he really showed me it's not always like making sure a bunch of words rhyme but it's really like the the subject matter and the context of what you're saying and um yeah i just like became a fan of how people rapped and then i was like i think i could do this right what about you Oren? was it kind of just a, a thing that you decided to do one day or was it more like you had been a kid growing up listening to certain artists and being you know idolizing uh, certain people Nah, it was like completely accidental i was in like really terrible bands for years like in high school but like not super serious just like you know we're playing yeah, <laughs> like bad, bad white reggae, you know, like that kind of that kind of vibes, you know, Hawaii like. Uh, but then in, in uh, coming out of college, I was trying to be a studio engineer. And I wasn't very good at that either, but I was like, like you know, interning in a studio, and I worked in my friend's, you know, uh, like back of my friend's house where he had a studio, and I was just doing every rapper I possibly could because I wanted to make beats and like you know engineer. I was like, maybe I can turn this into a job, and I was just like, anyone who could come in, or I could get the you know at least like the basic coverage for the studio from I had in. Um, and then when I met the other guy in Silver Medallion, Carnegie, uh, I was just recording him, and we were just like he was just wanted me to be way more involved in the creative process. And then all of a sudden we were like writing songs. And I like had no, like was not a plan, not like in my cards, but then it like it happened so easily. And then like the first thing we wrote was like big on MySpace. And the second thing we wrote got on the radio and it was like, it just like stumbled right into it. And then all of a sudden you're in some shit and they're like, Oh, I didn't have a plan for this. You know, what do you do from there? And so it's a little bit of a different, uh, different run. That's so tight. I love when things just kind of happen, you know, you don't really plan for certain things to come together and they organically do or just happen yeah. over, you know, and then you get like five years later and you're like, 
did I want this? You know, <laughs> yeah. is this where I want to be? <laughs> yeah. Was there ever a point? I, I guess this is an open-ended question for both of you, but was there ever a point where you had like a moment of, uh, oh, like, do I really still want to do this? Like, obviously, since you both aren't doing music anymore, was it just like getting older or was it? I'm just kind of curious, you know, where it kind of you take that decision one day to stop doing it or to stop, you know, or switch up the lane, I guess. Uh, if we're going to if we're going to be completely honest, I took a trip to Humboldt County and made more money than I ever made on any song and was like, why the fuck am I making songs? There you go. Money, you know, usually is the reason to uh, switch well, up it's, the lane, like, right? it, it's like you said, I was getting older and it's like you can only be the struggling artist for so long. And it's like I, ultimately a, a part of the reason I got into music was I wanted to be successful um, in a different lane worked out for me. Yeah, I love it. What about you, Orn? You know, uh, it, it was funny because we kept being like, I kept being like almost successful. You know, uh, we were with Convict, we were with EMI, we were with all these different people and it never like kind of quite popped off. And then I just realized that, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty like passionate dude and I can get really into things and I'm pretty driven and I can make almost anything else happen in my life. I could go make money doing something. I could start a business. I could turn a lot around, but music just seemed like it was like the last thing I could do. Like I just didn't, I couldn't put it all together. And I, I think it was just me telling myself that like, it wasn't what I really wanted. I just noticed like how hard the simplest things would be. I could do anything else in my life. I think it was like almost like a mental, like, Hey, you don't really want to do this. And it wasn't like age or anything in particular. And we were like still always very close, like making actual good money off of music, you know? And, uh, it just like, I could just feel myself telling me, no, everything else is easier. <laughs> my next question is, do you guys still get Spotify checks randomly in the mail? Uh, I got, uh, me and Shucks got a nice licensing check. This little company named Apple, uh, got a song from us. Damn Apple. Okay. I'll see you. I haven't gotten one like a year and a half. I was getting steady for a while. Cause we had songs on, uh, that Showtime show shameless. Mm. And we had songs on, we did a commercial for Hasbro and like a couple other, like, you know, do we 200 bucks to show up here and there kind of thing. But then like all my Spotify and, Apple stuff is still owned by like the labels. Nah, I ain't seeing shit. Man. They did not get. They did not get a recoup on uh, on your on your boy. Even the uh, <laughs> even the, even the two thousand came out of pocket. It probably didn't come back. Damn. Uh, if I mean to be completely honest, uh, me and Chuts are thinking for the most part we're gonna do this for licensing. Um, I've been wanting to have a side hustle for a while now, and um, like I said, we got a nice check. We've gotten a couple smaller ones from the same thing. And it's like what 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 could we get if we actually like put time and effort into this? Yeah. And if you do like when we got the Hasbro gig, we were doing them. There's like some service online. I don't know if they're still around. It's like five, six years ago, probably more than that now. They, but they would like basically artists could, uh, if you were in like a selected pool of songwriters, you could like bid on some of these ads and stuff and they'd give you like the style or whatever. And we were just crushing them. We got like three in a row. And then the Hasbro one was the first one. It was like five figures kind of thing. Like, and you're like, Oh shit. You know, like we need to, I guess I never want to do those things where you compete because you're like, who are you competing against? Then you start listening to other people's stuff and it's just like corny and trash. And if you like understand yeah. what's actually happening or the vibe that some people are going for, you actually have those sounds. You're not just like some producer trying to make it sound like, uh, you know, DJ Premier type beat. You yeah. Know, like, yeah and uh, so I think y'all could kill that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited about it. Hell yeah, man. I'm excited too. And I know a lot of people listening. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, my little brother Keaton, shout out to Keaton. He, uh, He's excited to see you back in the with the pen. Right, so uh, what would the real, real quick though? What would like three or four tips be for uh, you know if, if you're if you're trying to be an artist based on the things that, that you've known? If you're a, a young 
young man looking looking at the game, you know, what, what would you tell somebody? I think what would first, you wish you had known? Uh, don't quit your day job. And I don't mean that as in like you're trash. I mean that is in you don't want to be, you know, I, I got to a point where I felt like I could quit my day job and then I was struggling financially at times. And you don't want that stress. And I think I put so much pressure on myself to make it so quickly um, that if I would have just like segmented out, been a weekend warrior, it would have been, I, I would have done it for longer and everything that I would have been doing would have been much healthier for me. Um, the other thing, and this is what I do tell people who DM me, if your friends aren't supporting you without you asking them, you're not good enough yet. Keep working on it. Um, for sure. The other thing I tell people is if you don't have fans that you don't know, you're not good enough yet. And it's when those people start to trickle in that you'll know that you're on to something. Uh, I guess the last thing I would tell people is you have to build a team. Like ultimately I was like one fourth or one fifth of Michael Zoa. And it just kind of needs to be that way. Uh, I mean, there's, there's few cases that like, what's his name? Russ can like do it all, but I'm sure there's someone in the background for him. Um, but, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you are, you're the, you're just the, the face of it all. You know what I mean? But there's gotta be a team behind it. You know, I wouldn't have got to where I got without shut. Yeah, no. And I that's, that's a good thing. I think too, if I can speak on it is watching from kind of an outsider who was still in the, in the circle, um, you got to really have motivation yourself and you got to have a good team behind you that motivates you as well. Um, and then the patience aspect where you were saying, you wanted to see it overnight. And I know this is kind of something that's played out. You know, people are like, uh, uh, overnight success. I think you even said it in one of your bars, overnight success takes like 10 years, you know? So really putting in the work and not just wanting it instantly and kind of just waiting for the right moment to happen. So Yeah. All right. What about uh, Dusty? I want to always, I've always wanted to ask this too. Uh, what about your favorite tour moment? And I know Oren probably has a good favorite tour moment. Um, it, it can be involving me. It doesn't have to, but, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, say something that you think was the best. My favorite moment of every tour was when it ended. Uh, I never like, I think only Colin knows this, but uh, I didn't really like performing live. And it's because I would go through this the entire day of the show. All I could think about was, oh, my God, I'm going to forget all my lyrics. And it never happened. But I put myself through just torture, you know, the eight hours leading up to a show in my head being like, what am I going to do if I forget? Okay, what's the first bar of that song? Okay, what's the fifth bar of that song? And like, at no point did that ever happen. There was one time when we, that Tyga show, I started rapping the first verse a second time. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I can get, I can, I did like the first four bar, bars. And then I was like, cut it, DJ. And then hit him with the acapella. I let him know, like, we're we not just doing pop up here. But that could have gone left real quick. Uh, I remember that vividly, bro, because I remember just being like, yo, this ain't the right verse. So <laughs> yeah. Still kind of trying yeah. to hit him with it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, what about you, Orin? Any any specific time that stuck out to you when you were out there on the road? Yeah, man, I, I had a lot of ups and downs on the road. But, you know, uh, I remember, like, I guess two two moments. One, the first time we did, like, a big EDM show, I think we opened for, it wasn't the Vici, uh it was Benny Benassi and like you're actually in there you're like oh there's thousands and thousands of people and they're there to go extremely extremely hard and that energy is not like a rap show or a local show or a pop show or you're just like this is like I was like I want to just do this you know forever like this is amazing um and then the uh but I think the real one is you know we did a fraternity tour we did 50 fraternities which is as bad as it sounds like in the van 
driving fraternity to fraternity, staying at them or staying in like a Motel 6. But the first one we showed up to was at Syracuse and it was like a frat and a lot of the kids were in the music business program and they were like extremely professional and they set it up and they invited all the people and they came and everyone like knew all they'd circulated the music beforehand. And we're like our first time on the East Coast. So and like we came there and everyone knew all the words. It was completely lit. It was like extremely professional. And we're like, is this what this whole tour is going to be like? This is how the college is. And then the answer was no. Like the next stop is just like travesty you know uh, damn the, but, uh, the peak of your frat tour was the beginning that's kind of a bummer yeah yeah and it was it was, it was bad it got it's bad. funny uh to play like or to play off you saying you want to do like edm type shows i had a moment where i don't know if chad was at this show but i opened for time flies i was the, there oh the curtains come out and i come out on stage and it was just nothing but chicks screaming and it was at that moment that i was like why do i make hip-hop yeah and it was at that moment i was like we're doing pop this is the most inviting crowd. They, these people don't know who I am. This is the most inviting crowd I've ever been in front of. We're going to start singing some melodies. I remember that. I remember, it, I remember when we got that show, Colin was super lit about it. And then I think also when we did that leg of the John Bellion tour, there was, you know, a ton of, uh, you know, younger presence, but also like kind of more intimidating because there was a lot of like little girls in the front row. And I'm like this big dude. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to like stage dive and shit. Like, I'm not trying to crush all these little people out here in the crowd. So it didn't work out too well for your boy. Germ always tells me he was at one of our SOMO shows in the back. And he was, he, Germ's like a bigger dude. And he fought his way to the front row so he could like give me dap. And he was like, the things I was hearing from these girls was crazy. Like it was, it was no game getting up, up there to you. Uh, I remember, bro. I remember yeah. the one show where Zilla, shout out to Zilla, was in the front row with his shirt off. Like, that dude never has a shirt on in the first place, but no. he was up there just giving you daps. I'm like, Zilla, this is not looking good, bro. Back that. <laughs> this is not the place for that. Yeah. This is hey. not the right spot. That's the after party, bro. <laughs> yeah, we love Zilla regardless. Yeah, shout out to Zilla one time, man. Um, one thing I did want to ask about, too, I, I'm going to keep this on this music topic because that's kind of like how we all became friends, but, uh, Tell me about how you uh, almost signed that one time, Dusty. Uh, I don't remember. I, I wrote my note here. Was it for 100 Racks or who tried to sign you? Kind of give well, me a mark. It was 100 Racks over the phone. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> I learned a lot. So I have like literally, literally, my bad. I'll turn my phone off. Uh, just lost my job. And I remember I was like walking in the rain to the store because I didn't have a car at this time, struggling artist. Uh, and I get a call and it's, uh, I think it goes by Big Gates. It's Ply's brother who um, they have a label that's like a, it's like in the umbrella of Atlantic. And he was like, uh-huh. bro, I saw your remix. I want to sign you $100,000. And I like, if he'd have put that in front of me right there, it'd have been signed. Cause I was like, damn, I'm about to need some money. Uh, sends over the contract. It's like 32 pages. Uh, I remember Colin was like, yeah, we need to like read through this and everything. And I was like, bro, a hundred grand, like we'll figure it out later. Uh, and he was like, no, I'm going to send this to my dad. You should send it to your mom. And my mom did like escrow so she can like, she can read. Um, so I send it to my mom and she hits me the next day and was like, you will not sign this. Uh, and she was like, you're basically signing your life away for 13 grand. It's not a hundred grand. It's a 13 grand advance. And the hundred grand is like, you got to do a bunch of, yeah, you got to do a bunch of other stuff. And then the, I mean, there was so much about it that was wrong. We went through it, but it's like, I didn't own anything. If I left the label at any time, I didn't, I literally gave up everything. Uh, Also, I had to pay their studio for studio time, which is a nice little hustle if you're able to do that to somebody. 
because you're literally that's how you're recouping the advance right there Damn. uh so yeah once you broke it down, and it's like i hear about like you know uh what's her name meg like having a bad record deal it's like now that i'm i mean now that i've like heard enough it sounds like everybody's first record deal sucks and you got to just grind your way out of it yeah i can only imagine i've only heard you know, you hear about rumblings in the industry of how you should, you know, stay independent or just get a distribution deal. Um, Oren, you have any context to this conversation? Yeah, I mean, we we like had a bunch of, you know, we did some like one-off single deals and the album deal or two, we, you know, and, and flirted with the big deals, but a lot of the same stuff. Like when we were trying to work with Convict, you know, and we're down in Atlanta, we're staying with them, we're staying with one of their managers, you know, like you know, big labels can throw a lot around. They would like, we had unlimited studio time while we're there. You know, we have, but, but all the things they're asking for from there, it's like, hey, cool, we'll give you all these things. You're in the studio all this time. We'll give you this manager. We'll do all this. But like, they want everything for that, you know? Uh, and it, it's a hard choice of like, hey, all these things you've always wanted, like infinite, amazing audio, you know, and like producers and features and all that. But like, hey, every one of those hours is like recoupable and everything that's on your deal is that way. And it was, uh, you know, it was hard for us to look at, especially because you just were like, all right, cool. And if we don't make hits, we're just going to get ignored and like, three months, you know, you could see other people that were like in the queue or in the cadence. And you're like, ah, like, you know, if these, these guys don't make it, you know, are we going to make it? And it was, it was a tough, tough to look at. And I definitely, yeah, I think, uh, getting it independently is, is definitely the game. Um, unless you just, the difference between where we were at, I think, and now is if you have like a viral hit or you're doing streams, like you have all the power, you don't need any of that. Like you actually can get deals. I think they're more favorable versus like you still needed the radio and tour machine way more. I think when we were making music. Yeah. The other thing is you've got to like now that I'm older too, you got to understand it from the label's perspective. They're basically giving you a loan, a loan that no bank or anyone else would ever give you. They're putting you on. Of course, they fucking want everything. They got to they got to run a business, too. And I think a lot of times they look at it. Anyone we put in this queue, they can like sing and has a pretty face. We're going to make a star. So if you want it to be you, these are the terms. For sure. Shit's so now, wild. Now you got TikTok, you know, TikTok in the dream and you're you're there. Yeah. Yo, speaking of TikTok, it was funny last night when I was at work, uh, I was playing the top 50 stream like on Spotify and literally like 35 out of the 50 top songs are all songs that I've heard just via TikTok. Isn't that just crazy how that happens? Now? Do you think it's that they're top songs because people are using them on TikTok or because they're top songs, people are using them in TikTok? Exactly. Yo, that's so wow. wild. <laughs> um, Dusty, I wanted to say real quick, uh, RPT Jack, I know that was uh, something that's really tough on you. Uh, you want to kind of talk about your uh, your love for T Jack? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I always, no one really understood that, and I get it. So, for some context, he was a ten year career, mostly backup quarterback. And for anyone who knows me, when I pick a favorite player, I latch onto that favorite player for for life. We're we're connected. Like Jeff Teague is my favorite basketball player. I will always be a Jeff Teague fan. He is now a backup point guard. Um, so T-Jack was drafted by Minnesota, who was my favorite team in the second round. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? He played uh, Division One AA fo- football. So I hadn't heard of him, but I was like, okay, well, this new quarterback's my favorite player now. Um, and the reason I ended up like literally falling in love with him was he was ultimately everything I wasn't. Um, he was jerked around a lot. He was the starter, then he wasn't the starter. He was the starter, then he wasn't the starter. Then Brett Favre came to town. Of course, he wasn't the starter. And just the way he handled everything maturely and like a man. And it, it, it just, he was always super positive. It was nothing but things that like, I just was like, damn, I wish I, I, wish I had more of those qualities. 
And then he came to Seattle at the same time I was doing, I moved to Portland to do music. And I was like, this was just meant to be. And he became their starter. And my music got popping enough that like his brother ended up finding my music. And my bio at the time was Tavares Jackson's number one fan. And he was like, yo, that's my brother. Uh, and he put us in contact and he ended up, we had a show in Seattle. Uh, and he was like, yo, TJX got two tickets for you. Um, I'm going to pick you up and we'll go to the game. Or I went over to his house before the game and then went to the game. Uh, and it, it was like, it was all very surreal to me. Um, I've been thinking about this all week. So after the game, he was like, I, we had that show in San Francisco. So I had to go and he was like, you want to make wait 15 minutes and like meet him. He'll come out of the locker room. And I was like, in my head, I was like, you know, they say, don't meet your heroes. Like, I know if I meet him, they're going to want to go out and drink. Like I could tell these guys party. Uh, and I was like, I'm just going to get like sucked into this night. And then, uh, you know, like it'll throw off the whole tour. And like, I've really regretted not taking that opportunity to meet him. He's like, and, and he, he didn't, I was just like a super fan. He did a lot of things. He like, he would check on me. He would DM me, text me a few times. Like, Hey man, like the music is everything good. Um, and, and ultimately, like I said, he, he became my hero because he was everything that I wasn't at, at least at that time. That's tight, bro. Yeah. I know that's someone that's been a big uh, influence in your life and someone that you looked up to and really had a respect for. So I just wanted to bring that up and say my condolences to him and his whole family. So, yeah, I got, I got to watch his funeral online today. It was, it was like really cool to hear friends and family, like speak on him and like all the things he had done in the community. Uh, I'm not a tattoo guy, but I got a chain for him. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, my parents are my heroes and out of all the people I don't know, I was like, this, like, this is my hero. It's, I, I mean, I've cried like three times this week over it. It's been, uh, I, I feel for his family. Yeah, man. Especially the way he went out, you know, it's never a fun situation to deal with death, especially when it's all of a sudden, you know, not like someone has cancer or something like that. So just want to send you my love, bro. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> no worries, man. Um, to hit more on the music topic, I, I just want to get you guys takes kind of maybe just to wrap this up here in the next 15, 20 minutes or so we could talk all night, but we don't want to drag it out. Um, what's your, like, what's your hot, music you're listening to right now dusty i, I want to get your take on like how you feel about the new wave of music um you know the new genres the new kind of approach to it all um you know m maybe give me some people you're rocking with at the moment yeah i pretty I, honestly i pretty much just listen to tory lanes uh and i think part of that is like i feel like tory lanes is making like what i always wanted to make because he's kind of like I don't want to like uh, he to me he's like Drake plus and like Drake makes much bigger better records but to me he's like a, a, a more skilled singer and a more skilled rapper and that's just personal opinion uh but like he really has great bars and really has great melodies and for me it's like all I've ever wanted is like tell me about the Glock 40 in autotune and I fucking love it uh he you know it's 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 uh dope street raps I listen to a lot of Tory I listen to old Drake um, and I listen to like Chris Brown. Um, you're not allowed to say that out loud, but sorry, I listen to him. Um, and, and other, uh, as far as the new stuff, I'm pretty tuned out. I'm old at this point, like get off the lawn. Yeah. I've noticed that I always get excited when you, you post a screenshot on your story of actually something new. I'm like, Oh damn, Dusty's actually listening to some new shit. Yeah. Tori's another artist too. Back to the, the record label thing. I know he just got out of his Interscope deal after he dropped new Toronto three and he's kind of, 
I'm sure you guys have been seeing it pop up on Genius and things like that of him just kind of, I don't really need anything anymore, you know? Like, I'm popping that whole quarantine radio thing he's been doing on IG Live. He gained like 2.2 million followers, has more he's, streams. He's making the jump Mill. right now. Like, he, he kind of had a little bit of, a little bit of that. Now he's, he's like a man of the people, real quick. Yeah, I remember me. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Dusty, but we used to go to South by Southwest every year and uh, we were pretty close with his manager, Sasha. And uh, I remember he wasn't popping back then, obviously, but uh, I remember seeing him. He's just like, you know, short man, but you never knew that he would be at this level he's at now. Well, he had, he had like a matter of time. At, at that point, they were like hard rap records. And to like see him cross into pop and now find that kind of middle wave is, you know, like he was still finding his lane. Yeah, I remember when he dropped Diego. That's still one of my favorite tracks he's ever done. Smash. <laughs> Smash. Any other uh, music things that are going through your mind lately, Dusty? Uh, oh, I listen to Meek Mill a lot, too. I like Meek Mill when I'm doing, like, like basketball. You know what I mean? He's, like, workout wrapped. Um, but as far as, like, personally, no, I'm going to get the studio set up and just, just see where it goes. I mean, it's, it's all for fun at this point. I'm on this campaign, uh, Monetize Sundays, so we're going to figure out how to make some money on Sundays. I like that. Okay. We need to hashtag that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I had one. I had one request when I told someone we were recording this video. Um, it was from a close friend. I won't say who it was, Dusty. But uh, when we used to do the Sunday wrap ups, you know, the one fifty one episode uh, sticks out uh, vividly to a lot of people who know what I'm referencing. Dusty, basically, how'd you do it? It was like eight bars, take a shot, one fifty one, eight more bars, another shot of one fifty one. Yeah, um, I mean, and just like I didn't know what one fifty one was. Like, <laughs> I got set. <laughs> I just was like, yeah, I'll take shots of it. Like I'm, I'm thinking I got that. And like, it was after the second shot that I was like, whew, this is going to go all the way left. This is not, this is not going to end well for me. I knew. I think I remember you vividly doing that too. Like you did the first one. You're like, are we good? And then you did the next eight bars. You're like, whoo. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, and I'm not a drinker either. Like I, I don't drink. So. Whew. Yeah. It's funny how you both were, uh, you both were rock stars and you drank and now you don't really drink at all. So. Shout out no, to it's straight health and wellness you know what i mean yeah it's if, it, if it starts hurting the jump shot when you're past 30 you know what i mean if i got stretched longer in the morning it's, it's not going down for real for real uh i haven't even smoked in over a month i'm gonna I'm a smoke something tonight for the boys uh but i i mean i've been i've been on the straight and narrow no i'm proud of you bro i just want to let you know man i really i really love you and appreciate you as just like a friend or someone that i've always you know been looking up to for a long time um so i just want to say thank you for uh you know everything you've ever done i'm not gonna get too sentimental but yeah don't I make it weird i <laughs> don't make it weird no, i mean if Any... you look, this is this is a place to have man moments <laughs> right, here, right now yeah absolutely um but yeah i think uh we could wrap it up we don't want to get too crazy long into this we have unresolved business from the from uh from mike's podcast though Oh uh, yeah, we do let that go because there was some discussion of the Letterman fit list, and I think and Mikey went pretty hard on your on your fits, bro. I'm and, not. And I'm not worried about him. So first of all, yeah. I don't see Mikey anymore, so he hasn't seen the new me. Like I got shades on right now. This is the new me. It looks good. Uh, it looks good for you. Yeah, you know I mean? shades like inside, it. baby. Michael Z. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. At this point, I have no competition in this building. Like Keith has some heat, but it's like. Everyone will tell you Dusty's bringing all the heat, and that's what it is. Right. And if he wants to, if he wants to show up around here, like he can be number one again. I'm a team player, yeah. but but at this point, it's lonely on top. Oh man, I can't wait. We we might have to run back an episode after this with you and Mikey on here, just to kind of get the confrontation levels super high, which oh. I'm super about. 
Honestly, so. I was hoping this would be my audition just to be on the podcast. So if you if you think I should be on it, DM Chad that I should be on it. And if you don't think I should be on it, hit my cash app. Hey, got it right. Uh, or anything else you want to touch on, my boy? No, nah, no, nah, man. I just uh, I, I enjoyed chatting with y'all. You know, a lot, a lot of good stories, a lot of good energy. Yeah, who knows? We we'll might have to run an episode two down the line. You know, like I said, we're just we're finding our voice, finding our lane. We're gonna drive down. But uh, I appreciate you rocking with us. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. What's your uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that, Dusty? I, I'd rather you didn't. Oh, I'm gonna do it for the people. Then it's at Michael Zoa. <laughs> Don't fucking miss it. He's coming back. I'm excited. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Oren, thank you, my dude. Um, yeah. If anyone great. has any, uh, if any of the global listenership has any questions for our upcoming guests or things that we should hit on uh, coming up, you can hit us at that boy Chatney at Oren Meets World. Just let us know uh, what you're feeling, what you want us to hit on. You know, if, if we do bring back uh, Michael Zoe round two, what is, what is on your mind? So that's all.